Some say it's euphoria. Others are calling it a bubble. But with stocks back at record highs, some investors are riding this wave of momentum all the way to the bank. As one of the most powerful women on Wall Street, Penny Pennington offers a different perspective, a look behind the curtain of the financial industry and the changing sentiment amongst its most prominent figures. In this episode of Influencers, I speak with Penny Pennington, managing partner at Edward Jones, about the stock market's surprise comeback, what it means for the U.S. economy, and why she's telling clients to buckle up and get ready for a bumpy ride. Hello and welcome to Influencers. I'm Andy Serwer and welcome to our guest, Penny Pennington, the managing partner of Edward Jones Investments. Penny, nice to see you. Andy, it's a pleasure to see you. So the title managing partner is the chief executive role at the company, correct? That's right. We call it managing partner because we're a giant partnership. We think we're one of the largest partnerships in the world, perhaps. We have 25,000 limited partners, um, uh, over 400 general partners. Um, so I'm the, the managing partner role is equivalent to the CEO role in a public company. Yeah, why don't you talk a little bit more about Edward Jones because people see the signs and towns all over the country, but exactly what do you do? How big are you? How many offices do you have? You bet. I love it that you started with people see the signs in towns all over North America, the United States and Canada. So we're a North American financial services firm. We help 7 million clients achieve whatever it is that's most important to them. Um, the, the tools of our trade are a good financial plan and great investments and advice um, find financial advice and counsel. That's that's what we do. We uh, we advise and coach, and we do that in uh, in in a very local and human centered way. So we're the largest financial services firm in terms of number of financial advisors. About nineteen and a half that. Uh, 19,500 financial advisors in the United States and Canada. Andy, I heard this, uh, th this statistic the other day. There are 3,143 counties in the United States. We have a client in 3,142 of those counties. And we have a brick and mortar location in two thirds of the counties of, in the United States and all 10 provinces in Canada. So we're widely dispersed. We are hyper local at a time when people are really craving relationship but especially by virtue of the environment that we're in today, we can connect to our clients, to those 7 million clients in all kinds of ways to ensure that they, get, they continue to be connected to their hopes and dreams and to their financial plans. Yeah, you're so diverse and, and touch so many parts of the country, really all of it. So that must give you a pretty good idea of the sentiment that Americans and American investors uh, are, are putting out there right now, Penny. And, and so what are you hearing? Yeah, yeah. Well, we, we um, understand that sentiment by virtue of being face-to-face -face metaphorically through technology virtually like this or in, 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 uh, in many, many of our locations now where we have opened back up to the public. 
um, really being able to sit across the table from our clients and their families. And as you said, understanding what's on their hearts and minds. Um, for the past six months, it's um, what's, what's on people's hearts and minds is their health, their family, the state of their community, and their finances. And as you can imagine, there is some anxiety, sure. The markets have been fairly volatile, though they've calmed right back down over the past few months. We think that they will continue to remain somewhat volatile as um, the health pandemic and the economic repercussions of that play out over time. They're concerned. Um, they're concerned about their financial state uh, that, and, and whether they're able to achieve what is most important to them in this environment. But one of the couple things have been really dialed up uh, in the past few months. They're concerned about their families. They always are, but they're concerned about children or grandchildren. Um, who might have job impact. They're concerned about their health, though I know one of the things that we're going to talk about in just a few minutes is um, health concerns for uh, retirees and those nearing retirement. They're concerned not just about COVID, but they're concerned about things like Alzheimer's and cognitive decline. Uh, they're concerned about their communities, and uh, our clients are community builders. Um, they are stalwarts in the communities where they live and work, and they're thoughtful about the state of their communities and the health of their communities. Our clients tend to feel um, less anxious, though, than investors. And by investors, I mean folks who aren't yet Edward Jones clients. Um, we do studies on a monthly basis, and our clients are about 10 percentage points less anxious than the average investor. We believe that's in large part because we've set expectations with them for years during our relationship that ups and downs in the market are to be expected, that we plan through those, we look for the long term, and we buy high-quality investments that uh, can stand some of this volatility. So that's a little bit about uh, about channeling the hearts and minds of those clients. Right. And of course, they're seeing the stock market, Penny, at a record high. And I'm wondering what your take on that is. I mean, there's this disconnect, some would say, between the stock market and the real economy that perplexes a lot of us. Yeah, that is one of the chief most questions that our financial advisors and our investment strategists get. It does appear that there's a bit of a disconnect, but let me put that together in a couple of dimensions. First, before this triple pandemic, I've said health, economic, and social pandemic that we're going through right now, the fundamentals of our economy were very, very strong. Unlike 2000, 2000, 2008, 2009, there was not a fundamental um, uh, um, uh, uh, frailty to the economy as there was then. That that's not the, the, the situation that we found ourselves in in the spring. Fundamentals were very, very strong. Everybody went home and many, many, many people had to stop working. That means most consumers stopped spending and that had a dire effect on the economy. But the fundamentals of the economy were, were very, very strong. So what's happening really with the stock market right now is the stock market looks backwards just a little bit and says, you know, the economy was pretty strong. We're going through a, um, a well-orchestrated 
closing of the economy, actually, over the past few months. And the stock market is now looking forward. The stock market is always forward-looking. It's looking forward to a recovery of the economy, probably beginning in the fourth quarter. A little bit of it has already begun. And then really picking up speed in 2021. Um, You might hypothesize that the stock market is also looking for um, for treatments to COVID, maybe a vaccine. Um, I'm hoping that that's not, uh, that's not pure hopeful conjecture, that, that it actually is on the way. And the stock market is um, factoring, a, factoring in a fairly smooth ride to that recovery. We don't think it's going to be quite that smooth. We're asking investors and our clients to be uh, to buckle buckle up a little bit. Expect to be ready for a bit of a bumpy ride. But but clearly the stock market is looking forward to a recovery at the end of this year, the beginning of next. The stimulus package that Congress uh, put out there was obviously pretty helpful, and now um, there's debate about another one. Where do you stand on that and how likely do you think it is that we'll see some action from Congress at some point soon? Yeah, well, we are not policymakers and we're not in that business. Um, So we don't exactly have a stance on it. It is clear why um, the government aided and facilitated by the Federal Reserve made the decisions that they did. And uh, those were well-reasoned decisions using lots of policy and monetary tools in order to account for the fact that we asked everybody to go home. Um, to leave their jobs, uh, except for those, um, God love them, essential workers all over our economy uh, who stood in the breach uh, as as all of this has been happening. But those the, those stimulus packages, the, the policy and monetary decisions that were made were made intended to, um, to keep our economy as whole as possible during an unprecedented time. There are many who are calling for uh, continued stimulus. Of course, we're reading about it for individuals, for business owners, as well as for cities, uh, for communities who are finding their tax base is, has been diminished and they're um, seeking to balance their budgets right now. Let's talk about your own company's financials a little bit, Penny. You just uh, reported the second quarter that was up year over year, but sequentially flat to a little bit down. You've had to uh, think about pay raises uh, at your company. So how is the business itself faring? Yeah. Well, um, I mentioned essential workers earlier, and I, I, I I'm not going to put us in the category of healthcare workers. Um, those are those are those are angels who have put themselves in harm's way during this time. However, our firm, Financial Services, um, companies like ours who are helping people plan for retirement and plan for long-term financial goals, we were considered an essential. Uh, essential service, essential business. So we have remained at work through this entire pandemic. Our offices have been closed to the public, but our financial advisors and our branch office administrators have all been at work, staying connected to our clients and serving them. Our home office locations, we have about 7,000 home office colleagues. We have about 49,000 folks in our firm, about 7,000 who work in one of our three home office locations. All of us have been working at home for five months. 
that what notwithstanding, we have had the opportunity to serve our clients well and to grow our client base during this time. As people have become more anxious about their futures, they're looking for great financial advice. And frankly, folks who might have thought that they could do it alone um, over the last 10 years, the, the markets have been have been fairly sanguine and the economy has been quite good. Um, folks who have thought that they might want to go it alone in terms of their own financial planning have been looking for sources of advice and coaching. And so our business has fared, fared very well. We're very thankful for that. We are creating new clients and, and deepening the relationships that we have with the 7 million clients that we serve today. What have you learned, Penny, about managing people and managing the firm during this unusual time period? Yeah. Um, Andy, I, I, love, I love the distinction between managing and leading. And I, I have learned a lot about both, but I'm really going to, to focus on what I've learned about leading. Um, leading in times of change, leading in times of uncertainty and anxiety. Um, leading in times when uh, folks are so thoughtful as they are right now about the purpose of why we come to work, which is to make a really meaningful difference in millions of people's lives, um, the, the relationships that we have with our clients and the relationships that we have with our colleagues, but also the other part of our lives, the rest of our lives, our families, our communities, the things that we love. And what we've all been learning is how to balance all of those things, how meaningful it is to have a place to go to work every day that, um, that we really do feel that we're part of the solution, part of something healthy and healing that's happening in our economy and for families. So what I've learned about leading in this environment is um, that it, it's all about sharing together in that kind of purpose. It's also all about making important decisions without all the information. And you know, it's it's illusory to think that we have all the information that we need to make good good decisions, but we might have thought that six months ago. Today, we know that we've got to make, the, make decisions in the face of uncertainty. We've decided to use a set of guiding principles in making those decisions, and we've stayed, we've stayed true to those guiding principles since we wrote the first version on March 17th. Those guiding principles are stay connected to our clients, our colleagues, and the communities that we serve. Focus on the health and well-being of all of those stakeholders, those constituents, and uh, use new means and resources to learn our way forward uh, to, to stick with those guiding principles. So we've, uh, we, we've used all kinds of new means to stay connected to our clients and our colleagues. We went from 15,000 remote connections available for our colleagues to 50 thousand remote connections available to our colleagues in about 10 days time um, at the uh, at the the middle to end of March so we are we are learning our way forward uh, we are experimenting and we're staying really true to our culture and to those guiding principles Penny, in the aftermath of the killing of George Floyd and the unrest and the questioning subsequent to that um, your firm pledge to make a meaningful increase in diversity, and you also um, decided to analyze 
pay differentials at the company. Can you talk about both of those processes and why they're important to you? Sure. Well, um, you, you, you are right to point to perhaps a particular moment that galvanized and catalyzed a, a, a renewed commitment to ensuring diversity, inclusion, and even more important, a place of belonging, where a, a place where our clients feel that they belong. Um, Andy, our addressable market, we believe, is about 40 million families in North America. We want them to see Edward Jones as a place of real belonging for them. And that 40 million, the 7 million that we serve today, that's not a homogenous group of people. That's a group of people who come from all kinds of backgrounds, experiences, um, ethnic diversity, racial diversity, um, cognitive diversity. Um, we want them to feel that Edward Jones is a place of belonging. The 49,000 folks who uh, call Edward Jones their professional home, we want every one of them to see themselves here where all of their creativity can be unleashed to help serve our clients and to be in community together. We've been, uh, we've, we've been focusing on this for decades, but we have a, a catalyzed commitment to this um, over these past few months. We made a five-part commitment to that commitment. It has to do with being a place of belonging. It has to do with educating ourselves and raising our own empathy level. That's why we continued a program that we called Courageous Conversations. 8,000 of our colleagues have come together on Zoom calls over the past weeks and months to talk about some really challenging things like racism, um, like when was the first time that we felt, in, any one of us felt like an outsider in our communities or even our firm. We have made a commitment to study pay equity. We believe uh, that, that we pay equitably and we're going to study that and make sure of it. We also are going to report on our efforts and our progress publicly. Uh, we have also made some monetary commitments to organizations that are important to our colleagues and our communities, uh, including um, contributions that we've made as a result of COVID, as well as contributions that we're making to community organizations that are focused on equity and equality. That's great. Penny, I want to ask about politics, and, and this is so tough for CEOs in general, but in particular, for ones like yourself with such large constituencies. You've got um, all those thousands of employees and you've got those 7 million families you want to maybe reach 40 million families. How do you reconcile your own personal political beliefs or where you think the firm should be positioned with trying to be approachable or be a home for as many people as that? Yeah, wow, that, that's a deep, rich question. Um, and, and so many things are being politicized these days. Um, Andy, I really prefer to talk about ideals and values and principles. Our, our politicians um, and our political environment represents a cross-section of ideals and values and principles. 
our colleagues and our clients, just as you as you uh, observed, represent a, a cross section of ideals and values and principles. But there are things that I believe, um, as a leader of our firm, a 98 year old firm that has been through 17 different uh, White House administration changes. Um, all of whom, each of whom represent probably a, a different moment in time and a different set of, of uh, approaches um, to the, the, the needs of the economy and the needs of our citizenry at the time. We've been through 17 of them. They've represented all kinds of different ways to solve problems. But what we choose to lead from, um, what we choose to focus our attention on are um, what I might call inarguable, things like the fact that relationships really matter, that listening to each other, um, really, the, the, this is the root of the relationships that we build with our clients. They're deeply trusted, empathetic relationships where it's our job to listen to the needs of that individual, that family, what they're trying to accomplish, what their hopes and dreams are right now, what they're most afraid about and put ourselves in their shoes, um, listen to them as if we were them um, in order to, to help them come up with the best solutions for their lives. I think at, at this moment, maybe, maybe more than ever in my lifetime, that's what people are looking for. Now, we can talk all day long about the hows of achieving more equity. Uh, of, of repairing our economy, of having a great health system in North America. We can talk all day long about the hows, um, but coming at it from a standpoint of ideals, values, and principles that for us are rooted in humanity and relationship and trust is, uh, is where we focus most of our attention. Got it. Let me shift gears a little bit and ask you about uh, retirees and retirement, because that's something I know you wanted to speak to. So what is different right now? What's going on and what are the concerns? Yeah, well, we talked just a few minutes ago about um, the, the, the concerns that people always have as they're managing their money, as they're thinking about savings, spending, borrowing, investing, and now helping family members um, who might be going through, through challenging times or um, contributing to uh, community organizations that are helping people go through these challenging times. Um, Andy, you, uh, you, you are, are familiar with a study that we have recently done with Age Wave. Age Wave is a thought leader around retirement. And we had, uh, we had decided with Age Wave months ago that we wanted to field the largest study that's ever been done for retirees and those who are uh, getting near retirement about how they feel about retirement. Maybe what, what does retirement even mean today? And the pandemic began, the, 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 the survey was about to go out and we stopped for a moment and said, maybe we shouldn't do this survey right now. Maybe this is the wrong time to be asking these questions. Well, actually we decided just the opposite. We decided that this was the perfect time to be asking people what retirement today and in the future might look like and feel like. And the results are so rich. We really found that people are dimensionalizing retirement across four dimensions, health, family, purpose, 
and finances. Now, many people would say, well, we're building a study about retirement. Surely that's all going to be about finances. Actually, it's not. That was the fourth dimension um, that people really focused on. Health, family, purpose, and retirement. A couple really interesting uh, things that we learned on the health front. There's about a 10-year difference between health span and lifespan on average. And retirees, those who are entering retirement, are very concerned about that. We want to stay healthy and engaged throughout our lifetimes. And there's about a 10-year differential. People right now actually are more worried about being diagnosed with Alzheimer's or cognitive decline than they are worried about contracting COVID. Uh, on the on the family side, boy, we've, we heard lots about how important family is and critically right now that retirees and those nearing retirement are being challenged by thinking about how to preserve their retirement nest egg and help their children or grandchildren uh, who have may may have may have suffered during this time. Purpose. Um, we heard that people are, are, are very purposeful in retirement. They want to give back. They want to learn new things. And they want to stay connected to their families. And then finally, finances. Um, help me put it all together. Many, many people said, the, 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 the majority of the respondents said, it's much harder to figure out how to manage this, this, this nest egg in retirement than it was figuring out how to save it and put it together. So a deep, rich study from which we learn tremendously and will we'll guide the way that we advise and coach our clients going forward. Yeah, another thing that was interesting to me about that study, Penny, was the fact that older people seem to be in better shape emotionally, maybe, than younger people. A little surprising, given everything that's going on, but a lot, a lot there. Hey, let me throw a, a bit of a wild card at you, which is a wild card for many of us who follow the markets, which is gold. What the heck is going on with gold? And now Warren Buffett is even buying gold. So is this something you're hearing about? Should investors buy those gold coins. What's up with that? Yeah. Well, gold is a, is a safe haven. There, there are many safe havens when things get volatile, when people get unnerved and somehow that, that, uh, that, that idea of the nugget of gold as being the, the safety valve um, is, is not a new thing uh, during volatile periods in the economy where people are looking for what they feel is certainty um, then they then they look in those safe haven sorts of places. And that's what we're seeing happen with gold right now. What we advise, what we have always advised and always will advise is have a well diversified portfolio that might include some commodities like gold, um, but also includes in the right measure, um, high quality stocks, good income paying bonds, Mutual funds or ETFs that put those things together in an actively managed way, as way as well as ways um, that that control the costs of those. And the right measure is the right measure based on your time horizon and your risk tolerance. I mentioned young people um, a minute ago, Penny, and I want to ask you about that. Uh, there's a Gallup poll that found. Uh, half of young people view capitalism favorably, down from 66% in 2010. Um, and, and then, you know, getting them into the financial markets or at least 
planning their financial future is, is difficult. What are you doing to address younger people and, and attract those people as customers? Yeah. Well, Andy, we, we know from our retirement study and from coaching folks for decades who are planning for their long-term needs, we know that the sooner that we start that process, the the younger that we start that process, the more options we're going to have for putting our resources, marshalling our resources for the medium to long term to give ourselves more options in the future. And it has always been the case that there is this push-pull of, and I remember this as a younger person as well, I'm sure you do too, I've got all the time in the world. Why do I need to be thinking about this right now? So that that's sort of an age-old thing. Here's the, here's the other thing that I think has really been dialed up uh, in the past few months and years is that younger people are looking at the, the holistic way they want to think about their lives and live their lives. And they say, you know, I might live to 100 or 110. Some are saying I might live to 120. I have no idea the course of my life. And I think I'm going to want to work for some years. And then while I'm young and healthy, I'm going to want to take some time away from that to travel. This is one what we, what we used to think. I think we will again. To travel, to experience new things. I want my resources to be in a place that, uh, that I, I am able to manage all of that. The way that younger people are thinking about living their lives in this way is, is, um, is a way that you nor I thought about. And so the process of putting together resources, marshalling resources, and importantly, I want to I touch on this, what sorts of assets or services or tools line up with my value system? Younger people, I believe, are asking questions about what do I want to invest in? What sorts of companies do I want to align my principles, ideals, and values with? I think younger people are more interested in, uh, in, a, in that sort of alignment than maybe you and I were when we were the same age. I don't think this is going away. And in fact, um, we're, we're, we're hearing our, our slightly older clients talk about exactly the same thing, values and principles-based investing. And uh, what I know from my background in security analysis and investing is that really fine companies over the decades have thought about, um, uh, about stakeholder capitalism, not simply shareholder capitalism. And that is, uh, that, 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 that's an area of, of investment, of analysis, of, um, of, of, uh, of growing interest in the marketplace today. And final question, Penny, I want to ask you about low-income Americans and the problems with the wealth and income inequality and how your firm maybe can address that or at the very least seek to attract those Americans as customers. Is that something you think about at all? Yes, it absolutely is. I mean, very broadly, Andy, I think uh, I think leadership and business leadership needs to be thinking about um, the wealth gap in our economy and how as as business leaders, by virtue of the business that we do, as well as community builders, 
by virtue of the fact that we attract and seek to develop great talent, that we are dependent on the health of consumers to purchase our products and want to be part of our firms. Um, that wealth inequality and that wealth gap is concerning to all of us. And so our firm, as we intersect with that concern and, and, and intersect with more and more consumers who have a desire um, to use their own sense of personal responsibility um, to increase and improve their family's well-being. It's one of the reasons that our firm has never had a, an account minimum, quote-unquote, um, on the, the families that we will serve. Our financial advisors serve a wide range of, of families and a wide range of complexity of needs um, because there is a wide range of point of view and um, an opportunity for folks to marshal their own resources, to look to their own personal responsibility, to grow their financial literacy, and really to, um, to, to have open to them options in the future that we can help advise and coach them with. All of that notwithstanding, we also have to recognize as leaders that there are folks by virtue of their circumstances simply don't have access to those options. Some of those are because of structural, um, structural issues that have become part of our society and part of our economy. And we as business leaders, I'll put myself in, in, uh, in that corner, we need to be thinking about and, and actively working for solutions to those, those structural biases and inequalities. Penny Pennington, Managing Partner of Edward Jones Investments. Thank you so much for your time. It's a pleasure, Andy. You've been watching Influencers. I'm Andy Serwer. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Influencers. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And follow Yahoo Finance on Twitter at Yahoo Finance and at Surwer.